Good morning. Happy Easter. We're so glad you guys are here today. Uh, excited to be here. Let me ask you a question. How many of us have ever had those moments or seasons in life where everything seemed to be going perfect? Anybody? Anybody have one of those seasons? Like three people, all right? Everybody's life is just awful. <laughs> so you've been there though. You may not want to admit it and go, yeah, my life's awesome and perfect, but we've had those seasons. Maybe it just lasted 24 hours for you. I don't know, but maybe it lasted two weeks or two months or a couple of years. It just seemed to be everything going smooth and easy. Everything was great. Everything you touched turned to gold. Everything at work seemed to be going well. All the sales went through and the promotions came and maybe your, your relationships are going well. The marriage is, is clicking along like it's supposed to. Kids are getting good grades and they're going to get into a great college and all the things are going well, just like they hope, just like you plan and just like we all want our lives to be. And then something happens and all of a sudden life gets completely flipped upside down. Anybody been there? More of us admit to that than the other, right? Everything's going great. It's just smooth sailing, and then all of a sudden, you just get punched in the gut. You just get hit in the stomach, and it's almost like this sense of being alive and being free and hopeful. It's like the moving truck backed up to the house, and all that got loaded in, and as soon as it pulls away, another moving truck comes in, and despair and hopelessness just vomits out of the back of the moving truck and fills the house. Right? You've been in those places that you don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know where the, the food's going to come from, the money's going to come from. You know how you're going to find another job or if you'll find another relationship, nobody could ever love you. Your child will never come back and be obedient and follow the rules or love your family and everything just seems to be falling apart. All of us have experienced that from time to time where things go well and then all of a sudden you just feel hopeless and helpless and in despair. It's part of what we know as human beings. It's part of what the, the people of God, the Israelite people in the Old Testament experienced as well. They experienced it time after time after time. And they experienced it typically, not necessarily because of circumstance, they experienced it because of disobedience. They would walk away from God, they would disobey God, and he would allow them to, to walk away and into that path that they desired for themselves. And they would find themselves after a season, hopeless and in despair, wondering how they found themselves there. And in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37, that's exactly where they are. They are in literal exile, which means they have been removed from their home and from their homeland that God had given them and promised to them. And they had been pulled away and yanked away from their houses, from their livestock, their livelihood, their temple, everything they had ever known, everything they had grown up with. They'd been removed from their hometown and they'd been placed in captivity, enslaved in a, in a city and a people in a nation called Babylon. And they lived there for 70 years in exile, away from God and away from their home with no hope of returning. Their city had been destroyed, their temple in ruins, their life turned completely upside down. And in the midst of this moment, the moment you and I have experienced, where everything seems to be falling apart, God comes to the people of Israel and he speaks through a prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 36. In the midst of that despair, this is what God says to them. He says, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And just imagine in the midst of that chaos, everything, despair, hopelessness, your house is filled with it. There is no hope for tomorrow. There's no way of fixing this or getting out. And God says, hey, everything's going to be okay. It just seems impossible, even absurd, irrespect, or disrespectful for God to say it. That how can you say my life is going to be okay? How can you tell me that everything's going to work out? I have no relationship, I have no job, I have no hope for tomorrow. How in the world could you say this? Because all of us have been there hopeless and helpless. And the problem is when we get to that point, when we get to that place, we try to fix things on our own. We try to manufacture and manipulate and, well, if I just do this or say this or if I can just get to this place and, and we try to solve and fix things because that's, that's who we are as humans. 
especially as men and type A people. We're like, I got this, I'll figure this out. But the problem is everything we try to fix our situation only ends in destruction and despair. Every single time we try to fix our problem, we just end up being in a more desperate place and we lose hope that life could ever be good again. And so God takes Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, I want you to see just how bad your situation is before the promise I made to you will actually come true. So he takes him to this valley in Ezekiel chapter 37. And he says, the Lord of the hand was upon me. This is Ezekiel speaking. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me, continues in verse two, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very, very dry. Now, sometimes we understand our life is turned around and our life is messed up. And we, we can sometimes admit that we have done that to ourselves. But the majority of the time, we don't do that. Most of the times, we, we don't see the gravity of our situation. We don't understand the depths of where we are. And we say, I got this. I'll fix this. I, it's not as bad as it looks. I, it's not as bad as you, you may think it is. I, I got it taken care of. And the problem is we're a whole lot like seven-year-olds who like to tattle on somebody else but can't see our own desperate situation, right? We like to tell, look what they're doing. They're messed up. They're screwed up. We're really good at that as, as people. Even adults, we're worse than seven and eight-year-olds. But we can't see our own situation. And so God takes Ezekiel to this place and says, look, Ezekiel, it, it's, it's not okay. Your people are in exile, removed. Life is not okay. And he takes him to this valley. And in this moment, when life seems to be falling apart, we like to say, oh, everything's fine, even when we're surrounded by this graveyard of dry, dead bones. And in this moment, the, the prophet uses three phrases. He says, this valley was full of bones. Not, not just a little, not just covering the surface, but as you stand on the mountaintop and you look down in the valley, it is filled with bones. And there are very many, not just a few, there are tons and tons and tons of bones piled on top of each other. And then he finishes with the last phrase and he says, these bones were very dry, which means they were bleached, they were whitened, and the marrow and life had been sucked out of them. They had been there rotting for a while. And it's, they're not just dead, they're D-E-A-D dead, right? Like they're, I'm dead, just done, finished. There's no hope, there's no life in them. There is no chance of return and there is no chance of hope coming back and there's no way this could turn out for good. So God takes him here and he shows him the, the dire situation their people are in. And you could look at this and, and you would think, okay, here's two mountaintops and here's this valley. And at first glance, it seems like God is bringing Ezekiel to show him what happens when two armies come against one another and one defeats the other. And what they would do is just pile the bones in this valley. But this wasn't the scenario and this wasn't the scene. God wasn't just coming along beside Ezekiel and saying, look, this is what happens when your army is not strong enough. This is what happens when you don't have enough money. This is what happens when you, you don't make the right choices. What God was doing was showing Ezekiel a consequence of their sin. This wasn't just a byproduct of circumstance, which we like to say, well, if I, if I grew up in a different house or if I had a better job or if, if I had the right kids or if I went to the right school, this wasn't a byproduct of circumstance. This wasn't just an unfortunate event. This valley, these dry bones were a direct consequence of the rebellion and sin of the people of Israel. And they had gotten themselves into this place. And the problem with rebellion, the problem with sin, is rebellion against the holy, perfect, righteous God causes separation. 
Exactly what the Israelites were experiencing. They were separated from the land God had promised them. They were separated and removed from relationship and presence with their God. They had been taken away from their home. And this separation, ultimately, what it does is it leads to death. As we rebel and we push against God and we say, I don't want your rules, I don't want your laws, the consequence of sin is that we would be separated from God and that separation would bring about and cause death. And this wasn't God just being hateful. This is the the result of God's judgment from chapter 6. He had told them, we think, well, God's just mean, God's just upset, God's just like a tyrant parent who just rays down on his children when they make one mistake. This is God 31 chapters later telling them, I've been telling you, this is the judgment that will come if you walk down the path of rebellion. This is what will happen to you. I've been warning you because I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to take you down. I'm trying to help you walk this path of life successfully. And this was just the result of his judgment and the consequence of their sin. And this isn't just an Israelite problem. This isn't just a, oh, those Old Testament people who didn't know about Jesus, they should have known better problem. This is the human condition. This is all of us who at some point in time are rebellious against God and said, I think I know life better than you. I don't want to live your way. I don't want to walk your path. I'm going to do my own thing. And God says to us, just like he did in chapter 6, look, judgment is coming if you rebel and sin against the holy, perfect God. And Paul, one of the followers of Jesus who did not want to follow him in the beginning, who was rebellious and ran against him and tried to defeat him and destroy him, says this in chapter 2 of Ephesians, his letter. He said, and you, all people, all of us, not just the Israelites, you are all dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This is the way you lived your life, following the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in you, the sons of disobedience. And he continues, among whom we all once lived, not just a few of us, all of us. And we lived in the passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of our own body and mind. And we were by nature, this is how we were born into the world as human beings. We were children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. All of us, every single one of us, have been in this position and have been in this place. And for all of us who continue down this path, the result for us is separation from God, which ultimately leads to death. And so just imagine in this moment, you're Ezekiel and you know the sin of your people. You know the place you have brought yourself to because of your, your choices and your decision. And you get a chance to see the gravity of your sin. You have hit rock bottom or your eyes have been opened. And you see it is hopeless and helpless. There is no life at all left in these bones or in your life. And then God comes to Ezekiel. And he says this in verse 3 of chapter 37. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered to him, oh Lord God, you know. Ezekiel's like, how can these bones live? You're asking me if these bones can live, God. There's no way. There's no way possible. My wife left six months ago and nothing's changed. God, there's no way I have this diagnosis that's going to end in a year. It's terminal. God, my children have walked away. I'm full of anger and I'm full of pride and I have an addiction that I cannot break away from. I've tried over and over and over again. There's no way that life can come back to this body. How in the world, God? I don't know. I am too far gone. I have messed up too many times. I don't have a clue how you can bring this body back to life. But Ezekiel says, but God, I know you can. It seems impossible. It seems implausible. It seems laughable. There is no way possible. You have no clue what I've done. You have no 
clue who I have hurt. You have no idea of the addictions I face and the struggles that I walk with and the mistakes I make every single day. But Ezekiel says, but God, I know. I know how you can resurrect a life. I know how you can resuscitate a body that seems completely dead. God, I know that you can. And here's what I want you to understand today. If you're at this point and you're in this place, you feel hopeless and despair. And just like that valley of dry bones, you're like, I, the life has been sucked out of me and I know it's because of my choices. Here's what I want you to know. I don't want you to take my word for it. And this sounds really weird coming from a pastor. I don't even want you to take the Bible's word for it by itself. I want you to ask people in this room who would say, I was in that same position. I know exactly what you're feeling. I thought there was no way. There was no hope. I know the Bible said that there was, and I had heard that church said that there could be, but I thought there was no way for me. There was no hope for me. But I want you to know God did something in my heart. God did something in my life, and you wouldn't believe it unless I told you. And you still might not believe it unless you were there to see it. And so God tells Ezekiel, I know this, this valley is dry and I know these bones are dead and there is no hope and it's hopeless and there is despair. But Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. Stand in the valley and I want you to speak life over these bones. And you imagine Ezekiel going, that's crazy. There's no way I'm not doing this. You've asked me to do some silly things or some crazy things. I'm not speaking to these dead bones. That's just weird. But God says, I want you to speak life into them. And when you speak life over these, that you're speaking my word to them, that you're telling them that there's a chance for them to live again, as you do that, piece by piece, step by step, I will bring what the Bible says is sinews, which are ligaments. I will bring ligaments to the bones and I will join those bones together by muscle. And over time, I will cause flesh to cover those muscles and I will bring these bones that were dead and separated and I will resurrect them and bring them back to life again, biologically, supernaturally, step by step, moment by moment, day by day, year by year. That's what I will do. And if you ask people in this room, they'll tell you, look, 40 years ago, I was hopeless. I didn't have a chance. I was running from God and I was dead and dry and without life. But 35 years ago, man, God just started doing something to me. 35 years ago, he started taking addictions from me. It took five years. But 30 years later, I was free from it because I knew who Christ was more than I loved my addiction. 25 years later, I made things right with my wife. 20 years later, my family began to be restored. Five years ago, I started walking completely freely with God and step by step, moment by moment, over time, God started piecing my life back together and he brought me back to wholeness. And so Isaiah says in verse seven, he says, so I did what God said and I prophesied and there was a sound and behold, there was this rattling and coming together of bones, bone to its bone. And I looked and he said, behold, behold, because I cannot imagine this. Like I had to take a second look. And behold, there were sinews, which are ligaments on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. All of a sudden, God starts to piece this life back together again. And you go, there is no hope for me. This is unimaginable. I cannot fathom how God could do this. You imagine Ezekiel, the prophet, had never seen anything like this before. And he's standing there witnessing right in front of him this life coming back again, being resurrected. And you know people. You know people this has happened to and you have seen it over and over and over again, the power of God to take a life that is broken, that is without hope, and bring it to wholeness again over the course of time. He can do it, and he does it all day long. But in this moment, there was no real sign of life. God was just starting to piece things together. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe just walking through life, just holding things together trying to hide behind the facade of going, look, I've got this body, it's taking shape, and I'm walking through. I'm really not living. I'm just kind of surviving. I don't really know peace and hope and joy. I'm just making it through another day. 
and there's no real life in me. I'm just existing. And so God tells Ezekiel in verse 9, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy again, and this time I want you to speak breath and life into the people. The breath that God breathed into Adam and Eve at the very beginning to start humankind. And he said, I want you to prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord of God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these, these who were slain, these who were dead, that they may have life, that they may live again. And so Ezekiel says, I prophesied just as God commanded, and breath came into that life, and they began to live again, and they stood on their feet, and watch this, an exceedingly great army, where death reigned, where there was no hope, where there was addiction and despair and anger and pride and disruption, all of a sudden God starts to piece together over time and doesn't just make them a little bit alive, but fully alive. An exceedingly great army stood in front of Ezekiel, powerful, victorious, fully alive again, where death used to live and reign. And it seems completely unfathomable, physically, emotionally, spiritually, biologically just completely impossible there is no way that God could do that there's no way God could do that with me that's exactly how Israel felt it's probably how you feel right now and so Israel said to Ezekiel our bones our bones are dry there's no way God can do this with me our bones are dry and our hope is gone there's, there's no chance. And because of our disobedience, we're separated from God. We are cut off and we are removed. And that's probably how some of you feel right now. And I feel so distant from life and so distant from God because I'm too messed up. I've ruined everything. I've alienated everyone I've ever known. I've taken, I've stolen. I have used relationship after relationship just to fulfill and satisfy my hopes and dreams and desires. I have tried everything known to man. I am too far gone. There is no way God can breathe life back into these bones again. But Paul, the man who ran from God and ran against Jesus Christ, says God made it possible. He said he made a way. Continues in chapter two, he says this, but God being rich in mercy, which means he has it overflowing abundance. He's the daddy warbucks of mercy. Like you need it, I got it. Whatever hope you need, whatever hope you've lost, I got it. And it's because of his great love that he loved us. Even when, watch this, even when, sometimes we think we gotta get things back together before God will accept us. He says, no, even when you were dead, even when you had no hope, had no chance, even when life was messed up and it was because of your choices, even in your trespasses, watch this, God made us alive, fully alive. And he brought us together in him, in Christ, and he did this because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love. God's amazing grace, even in the midst of our hopelessness, made it possible for us to have life again through his son, Jesus Christ. And for you and I to experience this resurrection, this resuscitation, for you and I to experience this, it only happens through Jesus Christ. The only way you and I can experience this resurrected life, this resurrection of life for us where we were dead and we were dry, the only way we can experience it is through the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Because this man, Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, took on flesh and took on all of our weakness and all of our sin, all of our rebellion, and says, I will take it for them. These people who are destined for judgment and wrath, I will take it on myself, and I will take it to the cross, and I will destroy it, and I will kill it, so that they can experience life. Problem is, on Friday evening, 
of Easter, everything seemed hopeless. This man that we had put our hope in, we put our trust in, we tried everything else before and nothing worked. This one that we decided, I'm gonna give my life to, I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna learn about him, I'm gonna read the Bible, I'm gonna pray to God, I'm gonna do all these things, all of a sudden it's gone and lost and dead. And Saturday comes around, and just like those dry bones, all of life seemed to be sucked out of Jesus. He was in that grave with a stone covering him, filled with darkness and despair and hopelessness. And the world was just sitting, watching, waiting, and we have no hope because this one we had been waiting for is gone. Maybe we feel the same way in our lives, just completely hopeless. The great news is, three days later, on Sunday, the stone was moved, and Jesus wasn't in the grave. And God had resurrected him. God had breathed life into him and brought him up out of that grave, out of the darkness, out of the despair, when there was no hope, when there was no help, when there was no possibility of life again. He resuscitated, he brought to life. God, in the form of Jesus Christ, brought him back into life and brought him up out of that grave so that you and I could experience life through him again. Which is what he says in verse 13. He goes on to say, and you shall know that I am God. This is how you know. I will open up your graves and I will raise you from the graves. That life that you thought was dead because the power of the resurrection of Christ is the same power that's available for you for anyone who would say, I trust and I believe in Jesus Christ. I know my sin. I want to get rid of that. And Jesus is the only way. And I will put my spirit in them. And when I put my spirit in them, they will live and they will have life fully to the infinite power. And this same power that raised Jesus from the dead can raise your dead life as well. And even when it's Saturday and there seems to be no hope, even when everybody else in town is questioning, even when everybody says, I know your history, I know your past, the problem is we try to fix it ourselves. And we think we have the ability to manufacture a life. We think we can correct or solve our situation. The problem is every time we try, it just leads to more destruction. And we can't do it. And just like Ezekiel, we have to come to the point where we confess, I don't know how this life can happen again. But God, only you can. Only you know how it's possible. And you're the only person I have to turn to. And the great thing is, God resurrected those dry bones in the valley just exactly as he found them. Dead, dry, and hopeless beautiful picture of the gospel, the beautiful picture of God and Jesus Christ is he does and wants to do the exact same thing with you. He loves you just as he finds you. Broken, hopeless, helpless, in despair, and with no chance for life. The question is, will you love him in return? And if you do, over time, ligament by ligament, muscle by muscle, flesh by flesh, relationship by relationship, spiritual characteristic after characteristic, He will pull you up, those broken dead bones in that broken life, and he will pull you up and resuscitate you and resurrect that life and pull you up out of the grave and make you fully alive like you've never experienced before. And it's available for anyone who would believe. God loves us just as he finds us, but he doesn't want to leave us broken and dead and lifeless. He wants to bring us life and bring us out of the grave and remove that hopelessness and despair and make us fully alive with him. And so today we want to give you that opportunity to know him, to have question about him, maybe answered for the first time, to say, I don't know all of this that's going on or understand. I just know that I need something different and I know that I have seen people in my life, their life change over the course of time because they've been walking with this Jesus you talk about.
And so we're going to sing a song and show you a video of lives being transformed and changed through adoption, foster care, through teen moms who chose to give life to children that God chooses to give life to us even in the midst and the brokenness and the despair that he finds us in. That this physical representation is what God can do in your life physically, biologically, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And so if you have questions as we're singing or after we sing that song, I would love the chance to talk with you because the most important thing you need to know is that God can resurrect your life through the power of Christ and make you whole again because he loves you, rich in mercy and grace, just as he finds you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love of Christ. We thank you for the, the mercy and the grace that you've poured out on us even when our choices have made us broken. Our choices have placed us in positions where we are hopeless and in despair. Gotta pray for men and women in this place who say, God could never do that with me. I pray that you bring to mind somebody that they know that you have done that over time, that you have brought them back together piece by piece, step by step, as your spirit comes alive in them, as they've trusted in Christ, the resurrected power of Christ, that their life comes pouring out of that grave. And as you resuscitate them and you breathe life back into them, hey God, we're hopeful today that because you didn't stay in the grave, we don't have to stay in our grave either. We're hopeful today because we don't have to do anything to resurrect our own lives. We just simply have to trust and believe and submit to you. And God, we are so grateful today that you love us in spite of our sin, in spite of our brokenness, even in the midst of our separation, you choose to love us just as you find us.